ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. Hi, I'm Una Chaplin, and I'm the host of a new podcast called Hollywood Exiles. It tells the story of how my grandfather, Charlie Chaplin, and many others were caught up in a campaign to root out communism in Hollywood. It's a story of glamour and scandal and political intrigue and a battle for the soul of a nation. Hollywood Exiles from CBC Podcasts and the BBC World Service. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Acast helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. Acast.com. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Monday, November 23rd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show... It looks very likely that this fall surge is going to be far more severe than even our summer surge. As coronavirus transmission continues to surge, Mississippi's health leaders ask residents to practice caution during the Thanksgiving holiday. Then, child hunger is on the rise in Mississippi. We examine how the pandemic is making food insecurity worse in the nation's most insecure state. Plus, the Salvation Army's Red Kettles return, but the charitable nonprofit is looking for other ways to collect contributions during the holiday season. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Mississippi's leading health experts are asking for residents to avoid large Thanksgiving gatherings as coronavirus transmission rates surge in the state. Saturday brought a single-day record high in reported cases of COVID-19, with the Department of Health confirming 1,972 infections. State Health Officer Dr. Thomas Dobbs says the pandemic is only intensifying. Let me be clear. Things are bad and getting worse. We're seeing a rate of rise of hospitalizations that we haven't seen yet at all. We're seeing increasing case burdens that we haven't seen yet at all. It looks very likely that this fall surge is gonna be far more severe than even our summer surge. And we're just now going in to the Thanksgiving season, into the Christmas time, Where do people catch coronavirus? People catch coronavirus from people they know. People catch coronavirus from people they they love, their families. If I get coronavirus, I'm most likely going to get it from a friend or my family. If I give it to someone, I'm most likely to give it to a friend or someone in my family. So as we go into the holiday season, understand how risky some of these endeavors can be right now, especially when the transmission levels are so, so very high. Health leaders are pointing to the recent surge as they urge residents to practice caution during Thanksgiving weekend. Timothy Moore is with the Mississippi Hospital Association. He says there's a pattern in transmission around holidays. We we saw spikes in positive outcome, positive infection rates each time that occurred. 
4th of July probably being the greatest of those. But in each of those instances, the numbers went up. We cannot let Thanksgiving and the holidays be another 4th of July. Think about it. Pull your calendar out and look what that will do. If you have increasing rates in, at Thanksgiving, we're going to put people either in the hospital or quarantined or out away from Christmas holidays and New Year's. It's just a timing issue. It will happen. The positive numbers increase. We will have a percentage of those individuals who will be in the hospital because they will be sicker. It's just a given fact. Many Mississippi hospitals are operating at capacity as coronavirus patients fill the intensive care beds and COVID-19 isolation units. Moore says there are not enough health care workers to treat patients, and many essential employees are already working overtime. When we talk about hospital beds, it's much, much broader than a physical bed. We have to have staff to take care of the patients that are in those beds and it doesn't really matter how many physical beds we have. So that's a limiting factor. If you ever think about before the pandemic, going to a restaurant and you see empty tables and you're having to wait in line and you see all these empty tables and you're questioning, why do they not seat me? I want to eat. I'm tired of waiting. Well, the problem with that is they don't have staff to seat you or staff to take care of you. So there is a limiting factor, and it's certainly what we are experiencing in healthcare today, and particularly in our hospitals. Hospitals are working hard each and every day to take care of everyone throughout this pandemic. We're here today to ask for your help. That time has come. Uh, we can do only so much as hospitals, healthcare providers, physicians, nurses. So we need your help. We need the help of every Mississippian to step up and do some simple things. That's all we're asking is some simple, simple little task. Dr. Tanya Moore is with the Mississippi Nurses Association. She says nurses are facing tremendous fatigue and concerns as the pandemic continues to stress the system. During this time, our nurses are facing what sometimes seems to be a Herculean task to provide the quality care to patients who are in our COVID-dedicated units and to non-COVID patients. And then there are the nurses who continue to take care of patients in ambulatory settings such as our clinics, in our nursing homes, and other outpatient facilities. We continue to feel the demand that COVID-19 is placing upon us. We continue to consistently need to meet the staffing demands in our hospitals. Our nursing units in hospitals are staffed with nurses sometimes for months now. And these nurses are facing a great amount of fatigue, a great amount of concern for staffing shortages, I was talking with one nurse who was tired and she expressed to me that she was unable to sleep because of the overwhelming burden of thought about having to take care of the sick of the sickest patients. With hospitals doing all they can at capacity, Dr. Dobbs says it's time for Mississippians to do their part. 
we will reach a point at, at which there is no additional health care. And it's not just going to look like if you have COVID, you can't get the care you need. It's going to be the heart attacks. It's going to be the strokes. It's going to be the car wrecks. It's going to be the normal things that we have on a daily basis that we're not going to have access to because we have overburdened the healthcare system. Everybody needs to do their part. I would like to say that Mississippi's health system, our doctors, our nurses, our respiratory therapists, our entire healthcare system has done their part. It is now time for the rest of Mississippi to do their part and make some simple sacrifices. Timothy Moore of the Hospital Association says anyone in an acute situation should seek the necessary medical attention. Coming up, child hunger is on the rise in Mississippi. We examine how the pandemic is making food insecurity worse in the nation's most insecure state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Deep South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The coronavirus pandemic is causing a rise in child hunger across the nation, and some of the most food insecure communities in the nation are located in Mississippi. According to the nonprofit Save the Children, one in three children in Mississippi is experiencing hunger. That's up from one in four prior to the pandemic. The organization also projects Mississippi to have the highest rate of food insecurity for 2020. Yolanda Minor, Deputy State Director of Save the Children, tells our Ashley Norwood hunger can lead to other developmental challenges for children. So we know that children need nutritious food to grow. They need it to develop. They need it to focus on everyday learning. And so studies show that hunger can negatively impact children's academic performance and their behavior in school. And why do we have so many children and families in this state who find themselves in this predicament? In the rural communities that Save the Children work in, I find that there's limited to no resources. They don't have access to nutritious food, and if they do, the grocery stores like miles and miles from their home, they don't have either transportation to get there or they don't have the finances to even put the gas in the car. So the cost of fresh foods or families losing their jobs um, because of COVID-19, could be some factors, but this is a, a root issue. We really have to get to the root of it because we definitely need our children. And how can they focus on school or even get an education if their bellies are not full? Now, you mentioned the rural communities you all work with. Is there greater risks in certain areas? And if so, tell me exactly what areas in the state are, are at more risk. Well, the communities that say the children work in are rural communities. We focus on the most vulnerable populations. So in all of the areas being rural, in their majority, uh, communities of color as well. I find in the Mississippi Delta, 
Um, there's a lot of, not a lot of resources there for children and families. And that's why it was so important, the work that Save the Children did or is doing during COVID-19, because we're actually meeting families where they were. We were focused on education, but we saw the greatest need in food insecurity, so we had to begin there because children couldn't learn, again, if their bellies were not full. And that kind of leads me into my next question about what the organization is doing. What is what is your role in combating child hunger in Mississippi, and what kind of resources are you all making available to the children and families in these communities? So One Hungry Child to Save the Children is One Too Many. We are committed to combating child hunger across Mississippi, so during this time of COVID, we have helped prepare and deliver, delivered more than 9 million meals as part of our coronavirus outreach, and this has been since March. In rural Mississippi alone, Save the Children has helped distribute over 700,000 nutritious meals to children and families in the state, and we're working in some of the most impoverished communities across the entire state. And I just wanted to know, recently we did a Farmers to Family food box giveaway in Marion County, and we were speaking with one of the families, and they shared with us that they don't typically have, you know, any extra funds to buy fresh fruits and vegetables. And they said before they got out of the parking lot that their children were eating the fresh apples. And that's something that stuck out to me. You know, we don't think about, you know, what's a necessity and what's not a necessity to some folks who don't have. Well, Yolanda Minor, Deputy State Director of Mississippi for Save the Children, we thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us about this very important subject. Thank you so much. Have a great day. Yes, ma'am. You too. And Miner says rural communities in Mississippi and families of color are disproportionately affected. Studies show Bolivar and Jefferson Davis counties both had child food insecurity rates that fell in the state's bottom 25 percent even before the pandemic began. Kelly Mott with the Mississippi Food Network says they're increasing their mobile food pantries to reach more families in need. During COVID times, a lot of our agencies are also churches, and uh, most of those are um, manned by uh, senior volunteers. And with COVID, um, some of the food pantries have closed, some of the soup kitchens have not reopened. So we have increased our mobile food pantries, and that's actually where we will go to an agency or to a location. We bring our refrigerated truck, various volunteers, and we've been having drive-through food pantries, So, which is why they're called mobile food pantries. Uh, Folks drive their cars up, they open their trunks, and we put boxes of food in there. And from March um, through October, we have done over 60 mobile food pantries and have served almost 30,000 families. Oh, wow. I was definitely going to ask you, you know, just how have you all had to change things because things are just different now? And how have you all been affected by that? And what have you had to do to kind of, you know, maneuver around that because you still want to feed the people? Oh, certainly. We, um, and uh, 
will say one of the challenges that we have had, both you know financially and staffing wise, is we for years have been able to use incarcerated labor, um, which helps us pack all the food boxes. And because uh, the prisons were on lockdown, we have had to hire additional part-time labor um, to do the packing. We are an essential service, so we have. Our staff of 34 people have not stopped coming to work. We are masked up. We wear gloves um, when needed, and we have not stopped. We just had to do it a little bit differently. I wanted to touch on and tell you, too, as of this time compared to last year, we have uh, distributed 13 million more pounds of food. And that is a 54% increase. So the need is definitely there in our state. Maybe last week I was passing by a church and there was a line out of the church's parking lot into the street in and down the street and around the corner. And I was wondering exactly what was going on. The church wasn't open, but it was a food bank. It was a mobile food mm-hmm. bank situation where people were waiting in line. I'm wondering, you know, what does this say about the times? There's a lot of unemployment, which has certainly um, affected that. But I do have to tell you, Um, You know, Mississippi gets a lot of national attention because of our reputation of being, you know, one of the poorest uh, uh, states in the country. And when we go to the Delta and try to get those stories, too, of people whose lives had changed due to the pandemic, and surprisingly and not surprisingly in our service area, a lot of them were suffering before the pandemic um, from um, not having enough food. And so there has not been a lot of change in our more rural areas of the state. But, of course, in, you know, the Jackson metro area, of you know, of course, people have been affected. And there are people coming to the food banks who have, have never, who have never, uh, taken those services before people are struggling and we want people to feel empowered and uplifted to know that we are here to help all people and everyone right now may need a little help and people should not be embarrassed or um, or feel badly about asking for help and accepting help right now. Kelly Mott with the Mississippi Food Network. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. Thank you so much. Coming up, the Salvation Army's Red Kettles return, but the charitable nonprofit is looking for other ways to collect contributions during the holiday season. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit, you get information about foods you should eat to stay in good health and tips on how to stay active. I'm Dr. Josie Bidwell, host of Southern Remedy Healthy and Fit and Associate Professor of Preventive Medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. Listen to the show every Monday at 11 or subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy with your preferred podcasting app.
This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. The red kettles and ring bells of the Salvation Army are returning this holiday season, a tradition since 1891. The organization's red kettle fundraising campaign represents a bulk of its funding for a number of year-round programs. But the pandemic is causing a reduction in kettle locations this year. Michelle Hartfield is Director of Community Relations for the Jackson Salvation Army. She says although the Hallmark Red Kettle is socially distant and safe. The organization is hoping to generate more contributions online. Thankfully, it's pretty easy to social distance um, because, you know, the volunteers are, are not supposed to be touching the money or, you know, being near when people are putting the money in anyway. Um, so they'll be outside and masked, but uh, we are obviously going to have fewer locations than normal um, just because of, you know, the environment. Um, so we're just trying to come up with other ways to, to raise funds the the kettles are what keep our programs running. Because of the pandemic, businesses, some have closed or allow certain numbers of people, others are fine. Are you changing locations based on that, where the business is heavier? Uh, You know, some of it is with with people like Walmart and Kroger, we have national agreements. Um, So we're just, you know, staying there based on those. And then, you know, local places we're just kind of contacting people that you know are willing um so the locations really haven't changed as far as like seeking out new locations um we just have some that you know we're not allowed to ring at this year which we completely understand is there any um program that would allow for virtual giving are you doing anything online we are so here in jackson we actually have uh, our very first online pedal which is org, and so we're hoping uh, we've set a goal actually $50,000 for that online kettle and it's an easy way for people to share it on social media and to donate from home if they're not comfortable coming out. What is there a special website dedicated to it or can you describe what it looks like? Is there a kettle on it? <laughs> yes, there is. Um, it is actually a giant red kettle, uh, JXN, and it's you know kind of like a crowdfunding site. So it shows you you know how many people have donated and and what we've raised so far. Um, and it's you know we just started pushing it out, um, so we're you know encouraging everyone to help us share it and spread the word. What other ways, because as you said, it's somewhat limited this year or more limited. What other ways are you trying to raise money? So we are, you know, like I said, we have the online kettle. Um, we are, you know, always willing for people to donate, you know, through checks or um, through our website. You can actually donate not kettle specific through our normal website. Um, and we're just, you know, trying to be proactive and creative and, and mostly, honestly, for the Christmas season, we're really pushing this online kettle as the, the safest way to donate if you're not going to be out and about. How has the pandemic affected donations throughout this year since last February or March? To be honest, um, and I, I can only speak for Jackson specifically, so I don't think this is actually true nationwide, but we've actually just been very blessed. Um, we've had, obviously, a, a massively increased need, um, but with that has come enough donations that we're still able to fulfill the need. And we haven't talked about that need yet. What are the services the Salvation Army provides? Uh, we have um, a, a shelter, a homeless shelter that's open, you know, 365 days a year. Um, in a non-COVID world, we have senior programs that provide outlets 
uh, you know, for our senior citizens. Um, we have youth sport and art programs. We have an after-school program. Um, we have, you know, just the general day-to-day utility and rent assistance and you know, our food bank that provides a week's worth of meals to a hungry family. There's so much that we're doing, and, and it's dependent on the income from these kettles to keep it all running. The goal this year is $300,000 with the kettle campaign. Mm-hmm. How does that compare mm-hmm. to past years, like last year? Last year, our goal was 450000 Um So this year, we have a 300000 goal for the physical kettles and then a $50,000 goal for our online kettle, which is new. So it's going to be down about $100,000 from last year, um, just trying to you know make it an attainable goal. How has your angel tree been affected, or will it be affected? Um, it's, you know, it stayed fairly steady. We were in actually uh, anticipating a huge increase of angels, and, and we didn't see that. So um, it looks like, you know, some people have been able to put aside that stimulus check and, and kind of provide Christmas and not need the assistance. Uh, so we're, we've been able to kind of in the community get our angels adopted, and that, that's actually moving along pretty smoothly for right now. All right, good. Well, tell us the website again for the virtual online kettle. It is F-A-L-A-R-M-Y-J-X-N dot org. Michelle Hartfield is the Director of Community Relations for the Salvation Army Jackson. Michelle, thank you. Fingers crossed. Hope you have a good season. You too. Thank you for having me. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.